Welcome to the Passion Harvest podcast audio series. Thank you so much for listening today. I am Louisa, your host, International Passion Ambassador. If you would like to watch this episode, please head over to our Passion Harvest channel on YouTube. We love taking you on a journey to discover your passions. Thanks for listening. Hello, passionate listeners and watchers. Welcome to Passion Harvest. I am Louisa, your host. Thank you so much for joining me wherever you are in the world right now. Our guest today is Raymond O'Brien. Raymond has died 10 times. He knew of his upcoming death and when he transitioned to the other side, he became one with everything and encountered spiritual beings. This is his story and this is his passion. Raymond O'Brien, welcome to Passion Harvest. I'm so excited to have you on the show today. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for inviting me. Uh, oh my it's gosh. always nice to... It's, it's my yeah. pleasure. <laughs> um, oh, you're more than welcome. So you've, you've died 10 times. Yes, I have. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah that's one way of summing it up. Um, wow is, is uh, very, very, very true. Ten, ten cardiac arrests, all in one night, all within an hour. And um, the, the fight goes on. I had six heart attacks. Um, so you're still here. If, if you feel comfortable, would you mind sharing with the audience your near-death experience? I was at work. And I was driving home and this voice in my head told me distinctly that you're going to die. And it rattled me so much that when I got home, the first thing I did was I called my mother. And uh, mum was German. She's nervous. What's, what's wrong? I said, I was so alarmed. I said, mum, I just, I just said this voice in my head and it's telling me that I'm going to die. She said, what voice? I said, you know, the voice. And I said, All she said was, oh. So this was on a Wednesday, Wednesday late afternoon. Fast forward to Sunday night, in actual fact, in this very room that I'm sitting in, um, I'd finished playing the guitar. I had a cat at the time of 20 years old. He was called Mr. B. And he was quite old. He was the love of my life. Oh. And um, I went to bed. I lay down in bed. I lay put on my on my left hand side, and I felt the most excruciating stabbing pain in my chest. Um, now, even though I was a smoker and a drinker, I was very fit. And so I got out of bed and I, I pulled some press ups down by the side of the bed, and that must have opened up the artery to the heart. And I thought it was chest pain because I'd started a new regime of exercises. Got back to bed, turned on me right, nope. Turned on me back, nope turned on my left by this time my heart had stopped and I was I was like starting to <laughs> couldn't breathe so uh, the voice said get out of bed you have to get out of bed get out of bed now and I, was, I got out of bed and I put my feet over the side of the bed and I remember gasping for air and the pain was excruciating coming from my chest someone said get up you have to go downstairs so I went downstairs turned on the living room light and there was my Mr B curled up in the corner of my settee my sofa and it was the way he looked at me, Louisa, I knew I was in trouble. I remember distinctly looking at him and uh, I could hear him almost in, in my mind going, what is wrong with you? And I replied back to him, I know, Mr. B. I said, I'm feeling really bad. And uh, I picked my cordless phone up. And here in the UK, if you want to call for, for the paramedics, you dial triple nine. Mm -hmm. 
And uh, I remember standing there looking at my cat and I hit the two nines and the next thing I just blacked out. And uh, fast forward, there I am lying on the floor in my front room, unconscious, got the, got the cordless phone in my left hand. And I smelt something and felt a rasp on, on, on my nose and it was, I, it, which made me open my eyes. And I've got this hand was outstretched and my head was on, was, was on my bicep. And uh, as I opened my eyes, it was Bill. He was licking my nose and, and the smell was his breath. It was like smelling salts. And I remember looking at, looking at him and his eyes looking back at me. And I looked at the phone in my hand and I'd realised that I'm in serious trouble. So I'd, I'd hit the last nine, got through to the operator. I'm, I'm uh, still lying on the floor trying to figure out what's going on. And the operator asked me, what's up? Told me about chest pains. She told me what to do. It was about quarter to 11 at night. Uh, 12, sorry, tell a lie. About quarter to 12. And I live in a very quiet town. <clears throat> so the operator told me what to do. Told me to sit down, open the front door, um, and just wait for the ambulance. So I sat there with my cat, and we waited. And because it's, as I said, such a quiet town, off in the distance, I could hear the siren going. And uh, I was drifting in and out of consciousness before they got to me. And I remember thinking, well, if, if this is it, Ray, this is, this is it. And at that point, there was, a, there was a tap at the door and a voice. Hello, paramedics, can we come in? And I could just about lift my head and, and, and responded, yes, yeah, come in. And the two of them came in. It was a, a man and a woman. I remember the woman's name distinctly. Her name was Rebecca. Can't remember the driver's name. Could have been Dave. They both went, wow, fella, you look pretty rough. What's up? I said, I've got the most incredible chest pains. So they un opened everything up, put probes on me, and then decided that, well, we've got to walk you to the ambulance. So they walked me out, out of my house. And from being a, a really fit guy to hardly being able to walk was, was one of the biggest shocks. They walked me into the back of the ambulance, uh, really puffing and panting, and uh, they put me down on the bed in, in, the, in the back of the ambulance. And I couldn't breathe at this point. The heart was just not playing. It didn't matter what they put into me, Louis said, the heart was not going to play. And uh, so I was, the heart kept stopping. I, I couldn't breathe. The oxygen blood levels, I remember them saying, you have to breathe, Ray, because you're down to 26% oxygen levels. Uh, you know, it's, uh, you're in a serious place. And I remember Rebecca turning her back to me. And as she turned her back, I heard this voice say, if ever there was a time to check out, now's the time to check out. And I put this chin onto my right shoulder and the next thing, I was on the other side. Uh, I'm a little tiny soul who's completely naked, sexless, sexless soul. Uh, maybe about four and a half, five foot high, silver in colour. I knew that I was on the other side. Don't ask me how, but I instinctively knew. And I, I, the first thing I felt was the grass under my feet. And um, the grass felt like the softest cat fur I had ever experienced. Um, the grass was alive. I felt it poke through my toes. And I remember looking down at my toes and kind of just squiggling them just to, to feel how smooth the grass was, the fur grass, could I say. And as I'm doing this, I'm met by the wind. And it came from the right-hand side. And it went through me. It was the warmest, most peaceful, but powerful thing that I had experienced at that point. And it literally said, wait here. And off in the distance was two men and three women. The three women were all dressed in white. 
with the head scarf veils on and the two men had white togas on one man had a brown tan book i'll never forget him and it seemed to me that the people who held the power here on the other side was the women that's the first thing that struck me and that was when i felt at my safest um i felt comfortable where i was so i'm standing out I'm, I'm looking at these 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 five beings off, off not too far away from me and the first lady has turned and looked at me and she's giving me the most amazing smile she turned back and said to the second lady i couldn't really hear but she leant past and looked at and so did the third lady the two men hadn't even looked at me at this point but somehow i found the ability to move and uh, but before i did i was i was being a bit curious i actually i remember saying to myself, i wonder where i go to get my wings um so I, I i i didn't know anything more than that but the next thing i know i've, I've drifted up and i floated over to the old guy uh, who looked like santa claus and um, i heard one of the women say to him raymond's here and I'm now at shoulder level to him. And I'm looking at this, this book that he's got in his hand. <clears throat> and uh, he said, all he said was, he shouldn't be here. And he did that just with a wave of his hand. And with the wave of his hand, I woke up in the back of the ambulance. And I swear I thought I'd fallen asleep. And uh, I've, I've, I've looked up and there's, there's Rebecca, the paramedic, looking at me, like really stunned. And um, she went, Ray, 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 are you okay? Uh, uh, yeah, 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 I am. Uh, I felt really guilty because I knew I shouldn't have checked out. And um, <clears throat> I, I said, I'm fine. Like, you know, um, if, you, uh, if you let me get up, I'll, um, I'll go back in. She went, no, 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 Ray, 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 Ray. Said, You're still in the back of the ambulance. She said, you died. And she, she leant over to me. She flicked the clock. She said, you died at exactly 12 o'clock. She said, <laughs> she said, your eyes are in the back of your head. She said, well, we've just defibrillated you back to life. And, uh, and I'm propped up. I've got, I'm looking up at her light, you know, and I'm thinking, she's wrong. She's got the wrong end of this. this. So I'll, I'll go along with it. I'll go along with the story. I can't, you know, I can't defend myself. I can only believe what she has told me. So uh, we take off, take off in the, uh, in the back of the ambulance. We, my, the hospital was literally 10 minutes away from my home and um, I remember the, the, uh, the ambulance pull up outside A&E. I could hear the beeping going on as it, as it rever reversed back. The doors burst open. I got bounced out the back. And I distinctly remember that and I remember being wheeled through the corridors and I remember looking at the fluorescent lights flicking over my head and still kind of trying to get a grip of things and kind of saying well, I don't know what's gone wrong here Ray but something really traumatic has happened to you uh, get into the uh, the ICU unit and the places they're obviously waiting for me and uh, and then it started it went from heavenly to when I say heavenly when I was on the other side, there, there's a scent to heaven, and it's the scent of the most beautiful roses that you could imagine. That is, 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 is the smell of the wind. So I went from this, this deep joy to being in the ICU unit where everything was really cold. Uh, I was already losing body heat because there was, you know, I was constantly dying. Uh, and then I remember having my clothes cut off me. I remember being injected. Um, and then the next thing I remember was an immense amount of pain. 
uh, as they defibrillate me back to life. Um, this went on probably about the third death. I had become aware of what was going on. The penny had kind of dropped of like, oh, oh they haven't got it wrong, Ray. This is actually happening to you. And uh, I felt cold, really, really cold. Um, out of the corner of my eye, I seen something move behind the staff. It wasn't an earthly, it wasn't a silhouette of a body. It was an unusual shape. And I watched it come around the side of the gurney. And it came up along the side of the, of the gurney and, and almost plugged into my life. And it, I felt my life force just sort of oozing out from, from my side. I felt completely powerless to do that. Um, and then I'm, I'm gone. I've gone again. They defibrillate me again. Um, within seconds, I suppose, when I'm back, I've now had an out-of-body experience where I'm now sitting on my forehead and I'm watching the staff work on me. Uh, I knew that, uh, again, that I may not make this because of how quickly my body was losing temperature. I could feel under the balls of my feet where I was sitting on my forehead of how cold and clammy my body was. And I found myself in a place called the grey. So here I am on the other side in this place, which everything was grey. I'm a little tiny soul. I found myself at waist height level, and all I, it was like a football game, like where the, the audience, the, the crowd were, were slowly shuffling out. And I felt myself rise up at a really slow pace. And I've seen over, over the heads of, 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 of the crowd, there was hundreds of people all shuffling in one direction. There was only different shades of gray. Uh, that was that was all there was. There was no other colours than that. People seemed to be wearing these great big waist tre uh, trench coats with the, with their heads down and just hunched up. People seemed to be afraid to look up. And as I got to just about above head level, it just went bang right in front of me. And then the wind came along. And the wind was not the wind that I met first time. This wind was like razor wire. And it was cracking over people's heads. And as it cracked, it, it, it shattered into like thousands of bits of like little bits of graphite. And I remember thinking to myself, thank God I'm getting out of here. The next thing I recall is my nose is now on the ceiling tile of, of the A&E room. And I'm falling backwards in, in, into my body. Uh, I've crashed into my body with such a force that when they defibrillated me, I came up like one of those Hammer House horror movies. I was, I was flat, but I came up at a complete 90 degree angle. And I remember the crash team recoiling back and gasping. And I, I pointed my finger at them. Uh, and I remember swearing and, and, and telling them that I really needed that. Uh, and I crashed back. And um, so they wheeled me back onto the, onto the ICU unit. It was now two o'clock in the morning. And um, they put morphine into me uh, and all sorts of drugs they put into me. So they told me later. And, uh, and I slept until about eight o'clock the next morning. And um, my, my ribs had been cracked. My teeth had been cracked. I was in an awful lot of pain. I've just got two more questions. Uh, yes. What, what do you, you, you spoke about that grey realm. Uh, yeah. in one of, on one of the times that you died. What do you yeah. think that grey 
dimension was? I, I, I don't know what the grey was, but what I do know is that it was somewhere where I wouldn't want to be ending up again. I couldn't get out of there quick enough. Um, it looked like... I, 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 some people said, well, was it hell, Ray? I don't know. All, all I know, it was the complete opposite to where I was the first time that I died in the back of the ambulance, the, mm. the most blissful place. But this was the opposite. It was not a place where you would want to be. Um, I, I couldn't get out of there fast enough, to be honest with you. And uh, did you have any indication of why the other souls that you saw remained there? There was nothing. The only, the only, there was no clues at the time that I was there. Clues came afterwards, maybe like the processing, you know, when I started to compare what was it like in, in what I assumed to be, and I, I don't use the word lightly, heaven. Um, and if, if you want to compare this hell, well, if it makes the description easier, um, I honestly, I haven't got an answer. It was only when, after the event, what purpose does it serve? Who goes there? Why was I shown it? Why was I allowed out of there? You know, why, why, uh, you know, why, why was I allowed to live? Is it something you might be afraid of when you transition? When you yes. die to go there? Yes, it is, it is something which frightens me. Um, it's something that I try not to think too much about. Okay. Um, Sorry to bring is... it up. I just said no, 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 no. Honestly, Louisa, it's, it's, yeah. it's fine. Um, I'm, I'm very bounded with it. Um, I've had to be over all of the years. I, the, my only answer to that is, which settles me down, is that my life is very boundary now. Um, I, I will honest, I can honestly say that I wasn't the best of men before my um, experience. Uh, but now everything that I do is very measured. Um, you know, do no harm is, is my motto. Mm -hmm. um, you know, kind of be, because of the fear of, uh, you know, it's um, I, the way that I look at it, I haven't got enough time to make amends anymore uh, for, the, for the wrongs that I've done in, in the past. And I think the 10 cardiac arrests, the pain of that, uh, you know, the heart attacks, probably the heart attacks were more painful than the cardiac arrest. Um, for distressing wise, a cardiac arrest is is really distressing because in effect you suffocate to death, and that's that's a pretty gruesome way to go. I've uh, been there, seen it, done it on many occasions. It's not good. Um, can sort of upset your day, shall we say? Um, <laughs> but the the heart attacks are the kiddie and uh, for for pain, um, you know. So. I, I'm a great believer in karma. Uh, I believe that everything that happened to me, pain, loss of, loss of connection with families, uh, and, uh, was, was all had its karmic value. Uh, but I honestly believe now that, you know, I've, I've paid my dues, uh, keep being the man that I am and treat others the way that I'd like to be treated myself, really. So it's, it's had a profound effect on me, an absolutely profound effect. I think you kind of answered my next question. What would your advice be for people to live their best, most aligned life? Uh, do no harm. As, 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 as simple as that, you know, the medical profession's uh, motto is do no harm. Um, In all areas do... of your life. Yes, 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 not, yes. Not yes, just yes, one yes. 
Yes, yeah, yeah, do, do, and, and, and that was, you know, um, I know it's really, it's really difficult for those of, feel, of your views who are watching this. Some of us do do harm, but unintentionally, uh, you know, so it's, 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 I was doing harm with intent. It is a joy to be, and, and it's realizing that all we have is the moment and memories. Everything else is just an illusion, a fantasy, um, you know, and, and to be, I often say, when you have those quiet moments and you can sit on your own and, and, and ask yourself, how have I been treating others? And if you, you can come back with that answer of, uh, yeah, I'm OK, well, then you're going to be all right. But if you were like I was, wasn't a, uh, wasn't a nice guy, uh, deserved what happened to me, glad it happened to me, because otherwise I wouldn't have been pinballed into the direction that I'm on now. Um, so I'm, I'm eternally grateful for the pain, for the joy of coming back here, you know, for the animals, uh, you know, sitting here talking to you. I so appreciate your openness and honesty. I really, oh, you're more than really welcome. I, I, just on a final note, I've asked all the questions. Yes, yeah. Is there anything else you'd like to share with the Passion Harvest audience that I haven't asked? Um, first off, thanks for watching. Um, secondly, never give up hope. That's probably, you know, no matter how bad things seem, uh, you know, there's always somebody you can talk to. Um, so, you know, don't, 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 don't give up. Don't be nasty. Just be who you are. Be nice. Treat people how you want to be treated. And then, you know, you, you probably won't go to the grey. Um, you know, but, you know, just kind of remember, and I always often remember, is that death is the driver of life. You know, it, it drives everything. We've seen it with COVID, it, it, you know, how people have just freaked out about it. You know, work-wise things went ballistic, um, you know, because there is that fear of death, uh, you know, it's uh, and, and how it's put upon us. Um, you know, so I, I come from a different approach to most people who have had an ND experience of, of, of my degree of uh, complexity, shall we say. I put it to help others, so that's probably the best way that I can do it. And it's it's such an honour to be asked to come on and and have this interview. It's, it's a pleasure. Really well, Raymond O'Brien, thank you so much for being on Passion Harvest. You're all the welcome. Thank you for asking me. Good luck, everybody. Thank okay. you. Okay. Bye bye. <laughs> bye bye. That is the end of our passionate episode. Thank you so much for listening. And please subscribe, leave a review, tell your friends, and spread the passion. As always, every day, may you be more and more passionate.